thoughts from the Word of God. Okay, so I just uh, was giving some uh, thought to the first time uh, I ever came into this hall. <laughs> um, people uh, would have their own memory. I think this was built 1980. Is that correct, Pastor Graham? 81, around there, this hall. The first time I ever came in here was 1983. I was um I was eight years old. <laughs> um, my dad had uh, heard the gospel uh, in the fire service as a firefighter, and it um, changed his life. My mum wasn't too thrilled about it, and I got brought here for um, don't knock Noah. <laughs> and um, I sat out in the foyer just behind the glass windows there at about eight years old. And in 1983, in our world, um, there's some interesting things going on. Um, actually, all I was interested in is that was the year that Super Mario Brothers was invented. So that was pretty important to me. And Return of the Jedi was released, the, the third Star Wars movie there, or the sixth one, or however you want to. I I'm not a buff on Star Wars. But at my age, that was what I was interested in. But in the world... There's some pretty interesting stuff going on. I mean, even in our own country that year, I believe, was the Ash Wednesday fires. I think my dad actually went to part of um, support with that, being in the fire service. Um, the US-Russia or the Cold War was still very much happening and there was missiles being moved into the, U the United Kingdom or cruise missiles being set up there. The movie The Day After came out. Anyone remember the day after where it was, it was just, it was all about the effects of nuclear war and what would our world be like post a nuclear war and it, and it created a lot of fear in people. Um, because maybe for the first time some people really considered a bit more about what would it be like if this was to happen in our world globally, not just limited to, uh, Japan. Um, there was a fair few major earthquakes the same year. Colombia had a pretty massive earthquake. Japan had a big earthquake, and I also believe that the Soviet Union's early um, warning system or their early nuclear detection system, it triggered that year, and the person or people manning the station were able to determine that it was a false alarm. So um, different things going on, but to me, I was sitting in the back hall, and my mum, for some reason, had made me wear these beautiful uh, dressed-up woolen slacks and they were pure wool, and I don't know if you've ever... And they just felt like needles in my legs for two hours. And that's all I can remember about... I didn't take any of the play in. I just remember, why am I wearing these pants? They hurt. But that was that was my introduction to coming into the hall. But in our world, since that year 1983, in some ways not a lot's changed. What's in our... What's the attention of our world even now? And I just want to turn, if we can, to... To Luke chapter 21, start reading in, uh, in verse 25. And we read, and, and this is, of course, the words of Jesus. It just says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations and perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, or those people, nations, and it says, men's hearts failing them for fear for the, for, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
And when these things begin to come to pass, the advice given by Jesus Christ or his instruction is then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And what Jesus was telling his disciples then, as as it will be now, is instead of being um, maybe bogged in the world's problems, we, we're, we're aware that these things are happening all around us and it's very much in people's attention, but look up. In, instead of becoming, I suppose, engulfed in the problems of the world, look up at, at, at God, at Jesus Christ, at his coming and his promises and his plan because it's very easy to, uh, I suppose, become natural about it and, and for fear to come in and for uh, and to start working all of our own solutions and who's doing what and who's going to sort all of this out and um, all of a sudden maybe a bunch of uh, different anxieties building us because... We're looking for a natural solution, but Jesus is saying, just look up. Don't, like it tells us, not to set our affection on the things of earth, but to set our affection on the things above. And, you know, our world overall, overall, in our world with a, with a population of how many, however many we have now, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, we, have we passed, I think we've passed seven billion. I think, and we're, and we're heading maybe towards a lot further towards the other side of, um, as a whole, um, people don't really, um, believe that, that Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth. People don't really believe that the world as we know it now and, and, and the system of our world that we have now that is ever really going to change. That what we're seeing happen is just a, I guess a blip. And, you know, like it says in second Peter, Chapter three about where is the promise of his coming? For all things continue the same since the forefathers fell asleep. Like it, it, you know, it'll just keep going on. Sure, there's problems, but they've always been there, and it'll just it will just roll past it somehow. But 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 God is is trying to waken us all, and 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 not just us who already uh, have experienced the gospel, who've experienced being born again and being uh, enjoined to our creator, but just to everybody on the earth that our world is not going to keep continuing how it is. And I suppose a lot of people sense it. Um, a lot of people do have questions about where this is all going, but maybe the way human nature is as quickly as we can feel a fear and we can have, and we can have questions about all these things. People can also go numb very fast too and, and then quickly get back into their own life and just push it all to the background. Um, there's a great saying, uh, a quote that somebody said. It just said, reality is that which when you stop believing in it, it doesn't go away. And that is very true because, uh, I guess, again, we are encouraged for reality to be in our own world what we make reality to be. But as this statement says, the, the definition, real reality, is that it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. If um, if it continues to be, if it doesn't go away, then that is reality. And the reality is Jesus Christ said that this world is, as we know it, is, is going to come uh, to, a, to a finish and that he has to return to the earth. I want to turn, if, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to read uh, in verse 3. Now, we know this, this chapter begins at, about speaking about what um, faith is, what faith is made of uh, and but it just says here in verse 3 it says through faith 
we understand, that's, that's the saints. The saints are able to understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So, in other words, everything that we can see was made by everything we can't see. And our, again, our, our society, our world, hinges so much of, of, of its hope, its belief and its stability on only the things that can be seen and discount how those things came into being. And, you know, we're all at different stages of life. Um, every, every person in this room, I mean, some of us, we might share um, things in similar, but, but everyone's at a different stage. You know, we, um, we might just be beginning our schooling. Um, we might... We might just have retired. That's a, that's a stage a lot of people look forward to, but, um, and, and, and it's not always what people think it's going to be. But, um, you know, we might be working. We might be looking forward to having children. We might be getting used to the fact that our children have grown up and have now don't need us as much as they used to. There's, there's different stages of life. Um, we might be at the stage where we're enjoying our peak health. We might be at the stage of life where our health isn't what it once was in our life. There's these stages of life. And regardless of where um, we find ourselves of, you know, in our natural life about where we are, one thing we're all doing, or hopefully we're all doing, is we're preparing. We're preparing for a life after death. Uh, after this body goes, God promises that there's a life after it. Whether, whether, we believe it or not, there's a life that comes after this physical, natural one, and, and many people uh, don't don't believe that there is, but we know by the Holy Ghost that there is, and there's only two outcomes for that life: that we either spend uh, the the eternities, the, the, this 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 existence that is outside of um, time and space and matter that we know that we know now that is so real to us, that we either spend it joined with God or we spend it eternally separated from him and and there are no other options in between that and um and we're the children of God and and not ju- not just us but anybody who has responded to the gospel repentance baptism holy ghost walk on led by the holy ghost and fellowship with the saints you know where possible some people were in a position where they physically cannot, but where we're able to, we know it's, it's so important to be attached to, to, to the body of, of Christ. Um, 1 John um, chapter 3, in verse uh, 1, when it starts a sentence with behold, it means stop and take, take notice. Pause for a minute and, and, and consider. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. And even that in itself, to, to think about our, our lives and, you know, that there's nothing particularly special about any of us, that somehow we've found ourselves in a position to be a child of God. And it's not just somehow we know through, it's through Jesus Christ. And it goes on and it says, um, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Wherever we, you know, we all have a daily life where we might be working, we're at home, we're at school, we're looking after the kids, whatever we're doing, the people we come across, their first um, 
identification of us isn't, wow, you're a, you're a child of God. That they, they don't necessarily see that in us. And, and the scriptures are telling us here because they didn't see it, they didn't know Jesus Christ. The world as a whole didn't recognize Jesus Christ for who he was. The world as a whole is not going to recognize us. But the fact is, we are the children of God. And it goes on and says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, in our future, when we're, when Jesus Christ comes back and we're, and we're transformed and we're changed, it's not clear to us what we're going to become yet. We, it, it's a bit of a mystery. We don't really know who we're going to be, and there's going to be some, there's some clues. We'll, we'll have a look a bit later on. But it goes on, it says, but we know that when he shall appear, this is Jesus Christ, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what we do know is we're going to be like the Son of God. We're going to be changed. And there's many passages, I suppose if we think about um, the end of First Corinthians 15 and so on, it talks a bit about how that will happen, and we will have a bit of a look at that. But it's, it's, it's mind-boggling for us. Is that really our future? Is this really what's going to happen to us? Because, you know, if we're honest, as we're going through day-to-day life and, you know, we try and meditate upon the Lord and we, we try and tell other people about our experience, but the reality of we are going to change, be changed, to be like the Son of God, to out of this physical body into something that is now uh, immortal, incorruptible, um, and never will never perish, will never pass away. We find it very hard to get our head around that, and God and God knows that. But the reality is, and um, maybe we say this often, but life, life is very short. When when you're young, a year is forever. But as you get older, um, life you realise that it goes past. And I um I think I've mentioned this before, but it, it always makes me smile, and it's. Uh, when I was driving along in my car and I heard, heard on the radio about, um, uh, people ringing in and saying, what are some of the most, um, you know, sort of out of the mouth of babes are some of the most home truths that you've ever heard a child say to you? And one lady rang up and she said, I was at the, um, the gravesite of my, um, my husband and he'd, he'd just gone to sleep and I had my, my granddaughter there. And, um, you know, she was mourning and she was shedding a few tears because her, her husband, this little girl's grandfather had just passed away and she's crying and the granddaughter, and I don't know how old she was. She obviously wasn't that old. And she said, what's, what's wrong, grandma? And she said, I'm sad because I miss, I miss grandpa. And the little girl thought about it for just a little bit and said, well, don't be sad. You'll be dead soon too. <laughs> and, and you think about it and you think, as cruel as that seems, it's true. Life's temporal. And and I'm sure to her she wasn't trying to upset her grandmother one bit, but she was just telling it how she saw it. She probably looked and thought, well, you're not far off the same age. One and one, it gives the same equation, you know. And And so we have this life that is so... You know, I guess we invest so much in it. You know, um, when you think about it, you, you go through your day and maybe think about all the running around you do and all the different things you have to deal with and contend with to, um, to keep the, you know, to keep the, 
the train going and, and those things, and yet God's reminding us that none of it can be taken with us, that all of it is, is temporal and that what it is all heading to is who we're going to become if we're walking with the Lord when Jesus Christ comes back. And um, I want to have a bit of a look just at maybe some of the the hints because the Bible answers so many questions that people think um, don't have an answer. If only people would open open the Word of God, and 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 God God knows, He knows people. Um, you know, no matter where they are on this earth, when they're asking, they're really asking the question about why am I here? Why really was I put here? What's the purpose of this existence? Whenever people are genuinely asking that and they're open to truth and answers, God. We'll find a way to find those people every, every time. And he uses you and I for that. He uses his saints. And, um, just down at the leadership camp, it was, it really was brought out in one of the talks about not discounting, um, our own testimony. You know, that sometimes we compare our testimony to somebody else who we think, you know, they've had this, um, amazing uh, healing or a miracle or deliverance or something that we might consider, you know, this real feature. But all of us, have an incredible feature to our testimony. The, the fact, the fact that we had no belief in God or weren't sure. And then we can end up with a complete conviction that God is alive and real and in us through the Holy Ghost is, is incredible. And we all have a detail to our life that God will use to draw other people to him if we will just speak it. You know, no matter how insignificant it might seem to us, if we will just Speak what God has done for us. God will use it every time. And, and there will be people that you can connect to because of where you are at the time, because of the circumstances behind it that, uh, well, the rest of us aren't in that position. So God wants to use us. So I want to go to first Corinthians uh, 15, if we can. And I was saying about the scriptures answering so many, uh, questions that people may think can't be answered and, First Corinthians 15, it really talks about Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead, so the first one to overcome death, to, to be, to be risen and, and, and set free. It talks about him not being able to be holden of it in another, in another part of the scriptures. But, um, it says in verse, uh, First Corinthians 15, uh, verse 3, we'll just start there. It says for, this is Paul, he says, for I delivered unto you first, of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then Paul goes on to give record of who first saw the first fruits, the firstborn, I suppose, who saw Jesus Christ after he's risen from the dead. And it goes on and says, um, and that he was buried in verse four and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he says, and that he was seen of Cephas. That's the first person that saw him. Cephas. It says it gives record here. And then of the twelve, the twelve disciples. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. So Paul's saying, this 500 people that saw him after he's resurrected from the dead, some of them are still alive today in Paul's time. Some of them have gone to sleep in, in the Lord. He goes on and says, um, after that, he was seen of James, 
And then he was seen of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So he mentions six occasions and there's one he's left out. He was seen of us. <laughs> Not physically. We didn't behold him with our eyes, but we've, we've seen the Lord because we've received the Holy Ghost. We know his power. We know he's alive and we know he's, he's real. But as, um, I just want to keep looking about how, so we've got a testimony here of Jesus being alive and who he was seen of, but it talks about life. I want to go down to verse 12. And it, so it's going through life after death and it all being hinged on Jesus Christ. And, and, and Paul's speaking through this to, to the church at Corinth. And he says in verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And now we know there was a uh, a very strong um, group of people at the time who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. But even today, there's a that would be a, a valid question. Now there'd be a lot of people that would say when you are when you're dead, there's no resurrection from it. You're dead, and you're dead, and there won't be any different. And and people don't believe there's any evidence to the contrary. But we're going to keep reading. But then he goes on and says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is in vain. If if Jesus Christ hasn't been risen from the dead, then everything we would be talking about is um, of no purpose and and our our faith to believe, it would have no purpose. It would all be for no point. And it goes on in verse 15, it says, Yea, and we are found uh, false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you are yet in your sins. It says, we're no better than anybody else. We're just still a, we're a sinner. And then they also, which have fallen asleep in Christ, to perish. So everybody who's gone before us, who has has believed the gospel and, and and walked in the gospel, if Jesus Christ didn't wasn't raised from the dead, then that, they're just dead. There's no point to it. And he says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all men most miserable. If it's just something to do as a nice way of living for this life so that we can come together and enjoy our time together and sort of have a nice concept, it's it wouldn't do us any good. But in verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and we know that he's risen from the dead by the Holy Ghost and all the people said, Amen. And if we just go down to verse, oh no, we'll keep reading. It says, for since by man came death, it says by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So by Adam and the story we read there in right back in the beginning, separation from God, I guess death became man's portion. We know through Jesus Christ to be resurrected from the dead also became possible. And it says in verse, uh, 
22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. And then it says in verse 24, then cometh the end. It's talking about life after death. What, what happens in the end of it all? It says when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, this is, this is Jesus, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Jesus Christ must reign until everything's been accomplished, all enemies under his feet, enemies against him, against the gospel, and and this is his purpose. For it says, and it goes on and says, um, for he shall put, um, well, what chapter verse was like to, uh, verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And and just down in if you're in First Corinthians 15, um, just down in verse 55, so just over a bit, we read about that. He says, "O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks to God, which giveth the victory through Jesus Christ, it's it's victory over death. Only Jesus Christ could achieve this." And and then it goes on and it just says, um, verse 27, For he has put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued, so this is all in the end, then shall the Son also in himself, also himself be subject unto him, that put all things under him. This is subject unto God the Father, that God may be all in all. Now that seems maybe a bit of a tongue twister, but what an under, what an understanding to be able to have that this is what this is what comes even after this natural life finishes. That even even natural death itself, which causes so much sorrow in our world, which causes so much. Um, which causes so many people to, to ask why, you know, about so many things. The answer is through Jesus Christ and that he's risen from the dead and he offers anyone who humble themselves the same experience, that they don't have to be held of death, that they can overcome it, that that's not all there has to be to this life. And and that is the gospel. Um, I want to I just keep reading too down in verse 34. If you pick it up there. It goes on and it says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, and I'll speak this to your shame. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And you think, well, I suppose that's a fair enough question. How does this all work? What what are we going to be? What body do people have? And then he says, Thou fool, in other words, this isn't, a smart question. He says, that which thou sow is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may, uh, but it may a chance of chance of wheat or of some other grain. So he's giving us something we can understand that you don't plant a flower in the soil and you get a flower. You plant a seed and the seed disappears and from it, it grows and it's nurtured and it becomes 
a flower and he's trying to show us that we, we, we had to be born into this natural world in a natural body to have a natural life. But that is the start. That's not what we become post this life that, that there's another body that comes from it. And so, um, we keep reading. It says in verse 38, but God giveth it a body as it has pleased him and to every seed his own body. And all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another of fishes and another of birds. So we can understand that, that all living things here don't have the same type of body. And then he says, and we'll maybe just move past it, but he talks about, you know, there's different bodies in the heavens as well, of, of the moon and the stars and the sun and so on. They all have different compositions. And then he goes on and he says in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. When we are resurrected, it says it is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, but it is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was a living soul, but the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And being connected to, to God through the Holy Ghost is, is life. It's life-giving. And actually, on, fr- on Friday night, we went along to the house meeting there, and a young, uh, a young man there gave a really good talk, and he went through, he went through, uh, the occasions that, um, Jesus or people that had been raised from the dead. And there's a great story that he touched on, and I just want to turn back to it, and, uh, this was his thought, so I'm, well, it's it's God's it's God's word, but it's it's a great point he brought out. So in Second Kings, um, chapter thirteen, just one occasion here that's given that's quite amazing. Second Kings thirteen, uh, verse twenty one, and this is talking about um Elisha, and we know Elisha wasn't the son of God, but he was one of the he was one of uh, the the prophets who. Uh, was really about the work of the Lord. And we just read, and it came to pass, this is what he brought out, as they were burying a man, and I think this might have been the Moabites, that behold, they spied a band of men. So they um, they had this man, they, they spotted some other guys, and they panicked, it's really saying, and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elijah. So you imagine them just dumping his body quickly into a, a grave because they got spooked. And it says... And when the man, and into the Elisha, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. You can imagine what that would be like. <laughs> imagine the fright they got. They threw him down and the next thing is this man, who knows how long he'd been dead for, he's instantly alive. Where we are connected to our creator, there is life and there's power and and God, and, and, and as Paul was writing to the, to the Corinthians, he's, he's encouraging them, look, don't try to compare too much to what's going on here and now and, and being in these bodies and all that's going on and all that's contending and, and maybe happening in the world. Don't keep your eyes looking down at your feet. Look up. God is going to change us. We, we can't pretend to understand it all and exactly how it works. We're given we're given some insight and, you know, there's a, there's a few occasions in the New Testament that we see 
um, when Jesus first appeared back to the disciples. Maybe that's the, the insight we get, you know. Um, I know that, um, you know, in Luke 24, I'll just quote it for time, but the disciples, um, were walking along and they're discussing Jesus and Jesus comes up, um, alongside of them and they didn't recognize who he was and he's listening into their conversation and they end up talking to him, not realizing who he was. And they're like, well, haven't you heard, you know, this man Jesus who we thought was going to be sort of our savior and, 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 and be the answer. He's, he was crucified and, um, and it was hidden to them. Afterwards, he, he reveals himself to them and they go back and, and as they're with him, they actually uh, convince him to sit down and have some food with him. And they, and it, then it talks about he just vanished out of their sight. He vanished. Things like that give us some, some insight onto maybe who we'll be. We don't know. But all they could say was we actually knew that was Jesus. When we look back at it now, we know that was Jesus with us because they said, they said, didn't our heart burn with us, within us as he shared the scriptures? We see other occasions, again, the transfiguration in Matthew 17 where, you know, for, for a moment there he became as, as, as a shining bright light as no whiter could white, I think it says. And they just dropped to the ground as, as Jesus Christ showed who he was. We know there's the story of Thomas, who Jesus gave an invitation to thrust his hand through his side. We don't understand it fully. We just know that we're going to be as Jesus is and that we won't be bound by the limitations of his life anymore. How do we know all of this? How do, how do we really have confidence? I just want to finish on a couple of things. First John chapter 5, verse 5, oh, verse 4. It's very hard to select parts out of these verses. They're all so good. But just in verse 4 it says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. And we could keep reading, but the Holy Ghost in us, it's the truth. It's why we've got to exercise it. It's why we've got to use the Holy Ghost in our life. It's, it's got to be like food and drink to us because the danger is that in our world today, if we don't use the Holy Ghost, we, we, we may just forget who we are. We may forget that we're the sons of God and it's easy to become natural about it. And, and the next, Thing we get ourselves into the difficulty that God just doesn't want us to be in. Um, Romans chapter 13, and uh, this was quoted uh, several times down at um, the camp, the leadership camp, and um, it's a good thought. In verse 11, it just says, and that now, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. And, and the point that, that was brought out down at camp is the thing with sleep, is you don't actually know when you're doing it. <laughs> and so it's an examining of ourselves. And it says, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day and not in riding and in drunkenness and not in chambering and wantonness and not in strife 
and envying, but put you on, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provisions for the flesh to fill the lust thereof. And you know, there's nothing more than our uh, our world around us would like us to do is to just get sidetracked. But you know, when uh, when when we look around and we, we look in this room and we got people watching online and we got everyone here with a testimony and everybody with an experience with God and 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 I know and if there's people listening or there's people you know maybe we have people here that are not yet um baptized or unsure of their experience with the Holy Ghost you know now is not the time if 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 we're aware of of God and his plan if we can understand that and we're not sure about our own position you know, now is not the time or the era to to just leave a grey area with those things. Now is the time to to make our you know our election and our calling sure. The Bible talks about because this this future, who who we're going to be, and and what we have, and God's not finished with us yet because there's other people that want what we have. And so I'm I'm just encouraged that whatever we have left, whatever time is ahead of us. And whatever we're going to see in this world, God's got a plan for all of us and we've all got a part to play and it's an exciting time to be in the Lord and all the people said, Amen. Amen.